Portland needed a win, and it came in the form of a $425 million donation to the University of Oregon from Connie and Steve Ballmer. U of O wants to use $60 million from that gift to buy the former Concordia University campus in Northeast Portland. But it's far from a done deal. That school's old ghosts continue to complicate the present and future of the former Lutheran school's campus. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with You Oregonian. Up next, investigative reporter Jeff Manning. We talked about the proposed Balmer Institute for Children's Behavioral Health, what it means for the neighborhood, city, and the U of O, and how and why Concordia's financial and spiritual past are still playing a role in that real estate deal. Here's our conversation. Jeff Manning, thanks for coming back on the show. My pleasure, Andrew. So, Jeff, maybe we'll start with something that was widely hailed as good news, because <laughs> there's not a lot of that happening in the world or in Portland, Oregon these days. So we'll start with that, which, uh, you know, can you take us to the how the how the University of Oregon started becoming interested in the Concordia University property? Well, they landed another multi-billionaire uh, in Connie and Steve Ballmer. Connie is a U of O alum, former trustee, and uh, they came. The Balmers came up with four hundred and twenty-five million. I do believe it was her idea to fund some sort of behavioral youth behavioral health institute. Mm-hmm. Um, hugely ambitious. Michael Schild is is really great at cultivating these relationships. They found this mutual interest, and uh, it's really ambitious and, uh, you know, hopefully groundbreaking and successful in coming up with all sorts of therapies. You mentioned a couple of things I want to hit on there, Jeff, because at one point I was a higher education reporter for the, for the Oregonian. And the big question looming over everything, this was in 2015 or 16, was when is Phil Knight going to make another big gift to his alma mater, but the lesser question that was percolating was the the Balmers, Connie and Steve Balmer. Steve Balmer is now obviously the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, um, the former Microsoft CEO, right? Bill Gates's that's right right hand man. At one point, um, the question was basically when will they decide to open their wallets in a major way for U of O, and and they did. And it's interesting that it's this um, this uh, youth Behavioral Health Center. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's interesting that a multi, couple multi-billionaires stepped up besides Phil Knight and made a donation that has nothing to do with sports. Like I say, I, I don't pretend to understand the scope of this thing, but it is, you know, vast. And they are not ruling anything out. That This is enough money that they're going to be able to have a permanent staff uh, of academics and administrators Guaranteed. This is not one of those things where it's contingent on bringing in more money mm-hmm. uh, or something that the Balmers will match. They just gave them the money. And I'm sure that they have some really high expectations. Uh, it's a real credit to the Balmers, I think, that it is something this ambitious and so timely. Jeez. Yeah. Let's Before we get into some of that, I guess a little bit more background here. Connie Ballmer, not just any trustee, right? She led the presidential search committee that ultimately hired Michael Schill as president. Uh, down in Eugene. So she's obviously been very involved for a long time uh, in her alma mater. No doubt. A very activist person. Uh, I've never met her, uh, but she just seems to be uh, have all the right motives and uh, very generous and uh, 
you know, for the U of O, it's a great thing. Not only is this institute potentially, you know, groundbreaking, it gives U of O a, a really substantial Portland campus. And who knows how they're going to leverage that. So how did they set their eyes on, to the extent you're able to talk about it, um, the Concordia campus and, and uh, why Northeast Portland? Well, it's 19 prime acres with, I think, 23 buildings and uh, even got its own little athletic facility. And uh, it's actually quite beautiful. And, and really, you know, you couldn't build this these days. And uh, at least no one could afford it. You know, it just so happens that Concordia had folded. It was a very unhappy story. A lot of students left in the lurch. A lot of folks lost their jobs and an ongoing legal flap. And uh, the U of O's purchase of this land is not a done deal. It's contingent on several things happening. and We can get into that. Yeah. But it seems to be, as I said in my story, that a proverbial win-win. So f- frequent listeners to the podcast here and readers of the Oregonian will have some familiarity with Concordia's pretty spectacular implosion. You and uh, Molly Young, our former colleague, reported on this pretty extensively. Can you describe how this school, which has been around or was around for more than a century in Northeast Portland, went bust? I think in a lot of ways that that Concordia was facing the same grim situation that much of higher ed is facing. Uh, The demographics are upside down, not enough potential students coming up. The pandemic has been brutal for the students and for the schools. In the case of Concordia, it was a religious school, a staunchly religious school run by a really conservative group of Lutherans out out of St. Louis who were pretty militant about insisting that its students get on board with the Lutheran thing. And uh, in Portland just wasn't, even a Concordia campus in Portland was not going to, that was not going to fly. And uh, that drove the folks in St. Louis nuts. And they tried and they tried and they tried to root out the gay wild card at Concordia. They, They never could. As much as the you know continued financial problems at Concordia played a role, and they were that was a major factor, the cultural differences between Portland and St. Louis also played a huge role. In the end, February 2020, out of nowhere, as far as the students are concerned, the administration announces we're shutting down. Right before you know, COVID kind of upends everything, and right after, as several students pointed out to me right after the deadline for tuition reimbursements. Oh, funny how that works. Funny um, how that works. So <laughs> the, but this, you, you laid out kind of the cultural differences, um, you know, people who, who may not be religious or may know a little bit about, about the Lutheran faith. I mean, there's two separate branches, right? This is a, a different you know, one that might be a little out of step with progressive Portland. But can you talk about, and this is going to factor into your recent reporting on U of O's deal and, and how it's not a done deal. Can you talk about this company, Hot Chalk, and how exactly they became involved with Concordia and what what they did? When Concordia's enrollment started to decline, they launched on this uh this campaign to bring in new students. And the way to do that was to, uh, was online. 
they built up this graduate education program and other graduate programs uh, catering to people who were not necessarily in the Portland area. They were older and they were in their careers and they just needed an additional master's or what have you to uh, go further in life. And uh, Hotchock was the technology contractor that that uh, gave them the platform to do that. And, uh, you know, Hotchock became so central to Concordia's continued existence that uh, it, at times it was unclear who was running the place, Hotchock or, or the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, or the administration at Concordia. The administration at Concordia was very strange. You know, Michael Schill at U of O, mm-hmm. he is U of O, right? That's generally the case with a, a big mainstream college. Concordia had like their their administrators were so uh, so deferential to St. Louis that it was hard to even see that they were much of a factor. Hmm. When push came to shove, it was St. Louis calling the shots. St. Louis and uh, the financial arm of the St. Louis based church, which had loaned Concordia Portland a bunch of money that were calling the shots. Uh, and, uh, so that's, that's the way it went. So such a complex story that you, you know, you, you reported on a lot of these private colleges or online colleges, or even in some cases, public entities getting into hot water with online education. All of this is wrapped up as well as the kind of the cultural difference from the perspective of the church to the Portland wing. Now, how does that still play a role as we're looking at what we already set the table for, what most people in the city of Portland are pretty excited about this potential partnership between the the Balmers and, and the university? How is How are all those previous factors still at play here? I wandered off on a tangent there on my last uh, diatribe. Hotchock was sort of left in the dust mm-hmm. when Concordia closed. They claim they're owed $300 million. And they have gone after the extension fund, the financial arm of the church, and the church itself in St. Louis. You owe me money. You owe me huge money. You just can't walk away from that. So they have become a factor in this transaction. In the in the U of O's proposed purchase of Concordia, Hotchock is determined to play a role. They are not going to walk away. They They want some money. They filed what is known as a Liz pendants against the property, which basically is notice to the U of O that, or any buyer, that mm-hmm. this property is wrapped up in litigation. And if you get involved, you're going to get sucked into that litigation. And generally that is enough to scare off any buyer. But the U of O is, is sticking by their guns and they're going to, they think they're confident they can make this happen. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially a buyer beware, right? But. In this case, you've got the self-titled flagship university of the state and uh, one of the wealthier people, wealthier couples, you know, um, affiliated, I, I guess. Is that kind of, do we get a sense of whether they're just figuring we've got this because we are the University of Oregon and we are the Bombers? <laughs> I have visions of Puddles, the mascot, showing up in the offices of uh, Hotchock and shutting them down. Um Hotchunk has no standing to kill this deal, They, but they can complicate it, and that's what they intend to do. 
There is another wild card here that is even more interesting that has emerged. Yeah. There are two entities here. There's the St. Louis-based church, and then there's its financial arm. The financial arm is the one that loaned a bunch of money to Concordia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone has been assuming this whole way along that the extent the, the extension fund and the church are essentially one and the same, that they are on the same page, always in agreement. So what has emerged now, as I said in the story, is that the extension fund wants to do this deal. They really want to sell this campus to U of O. They're the ones that negotiated the deal with U of O. Mm-hmm. But there's a problem. There's, there's The church has a right to re-entry, which means if the campus is used for anything other than a Lutheran-based higher ed institution, then the church has the right to take back that property. You're saying to yourself, well, surely the church is going to uh, not exercise that right because after all, their extension fund negotiated the deal. Yeah. But the lawyer for the extension fund told me, well, actually, no, they're not one and the same. And they're, we keep on waiting for the church to come to the table and negotiate with us. And they haven't. And I said, well, are, are you serious about that? I mean, and he says, yeah. There's this myth that the church is the puppet master that's calling all the shots. Mm -hmm. They're not. These are separate organizations with separate boards of directors. Is that a problem? According to the U of O, in their documents that they prepared for their board of trustees, they will not go go ahead with this transaction unless they get the explicit, you know, sign off from the church. They don't have that. Wow. You know, Concordia University wasn't... You know, the the Portland branch was not the only branch. Do we have any sense of whether these religious provisions were the case in other campuses around the country? I have no idea if it's there. There are several. I don't know how many Concordia colleges there are around the country, yeah. but there are a bunch of them and they're all owned by the St. Louis Church. And uh, they see the networks of universities as a way to build their enrollment. They want, you know, really, really true believers to attend their schools. And that's one of the problems they had with Portland, that they were not sufficiently observant. So they're going through a bit of a housekeeping, a house cleaning. Portland's not the only one shut down. And a big factor as far as the church is concerned, apparently, as to whether they will shut down or keep one of the Concordias, is how many people are going to Mass. Hmm. And uh, here in Portland, that was not a big draw. Too many people going to the gorge. (laughs) A different kind of religious experience. (laughs) Tree huggers. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk a little bit more with Jeff Manning, investigative reporter for the Oregonian and Oregon Life. So, Jeff, we've kind of laid out in the first part of the show how this uh, really vital piece of property, which is in a neighborhood that's named the Concordia neighborhood, is still kind of in limbo. It seems like there's other shuffling of the deck, so to speak, that could be happening here. A nod to our colleagues at OPB. They they had reported that the U of O's programs in the White Stag building downtown may be eventually moving out to this Concordia campus. There's a lot more at stake here than we can even cover in in one episode. This is a major win for Portland, a much needed win when they can't seem to get anything right. 
that this institute could be uh, a fairly major employer and a sort of catalyst for other developments along the same lines. It is a great thing. There's also this practical benefit to the U of O that they suddenly have a lot of space in Northeast Portland to expand. And who knows how they'll choose to do that. But as you said, um, OPB got the news first that uh, apparently the its outpost in the in Old Town uh, will be moved out to the Concordia neighborhood. Um, you know, given the problems in Old Town, uh, hard to blame them for wanting to move out. They moved those facilities into the former White Stag building uh, in a different era. It seemed like when uh, yeah. everything was gentrifying and you know just you know inject a couple ambitious land developer or real estate developers with. They're good friends at Prosper Portland, and soon enough, uh, you're going to get $500,000 condos. And uh, that just has not happened in Old Town. It hasn't happened in a lot of places around the city. Downtown and Old Town have fallen on hard times. I'm curious what you make of this as a as someone who's covered higher education for a while throughout your career on different different points. Um, you know, there's kind of been this competition in Portland between all of the schools and you see Oregon State coming into the old Myron Frank building and PSUs, you know, teaming up with OHSU on stuff. And how, how do you view this project and how does that fit into that whole broader narrative? Well, I guess the part of the philosophy is if you can't lure students to your campus, you move the campus to the students. And yeah, there has been this sort of Portland sweepstakes among Oregon colleges. Uh, Linfield moved much of its nursing operation, a nursing, yeah. nursing school up here. Everybody wants a beachhead in Portland. And uh, the White Stag building in Old Town, as we just said, had all sorts of issues, and uh, much of which were out of its control. So this is way more space in, you know, arguably a much more attractive space, gives them some some wiggle room. You know, most of the other colleges have a, have leased out office space somewhere and are converting it to classroom. And this was actually probably going to feel like a college because it was one. Do you get a sense of how people are feeling down in, in uh, Eugene and Johnson hall, like the, you know, Michael Schill and his top brass. I mean, he's, he's stuck it out after there's been a lot of turnover that you reported on and rich Reed and myself and others of other kind of the um, carousel of, of leaders down in Eugene. And now, you know, in the last few years, you've had these mega projects um, focused on big, big things from, you know, the Phil and Penny Center for Accelerated Scientific Impact and now this Balmer proposal. How, how do you think uh, the mood is down in Eugene? Um, well, I think it's good. I, I think that... Uh... You know, I'm sure that there are some locals who feel like, uh, wow, this is a huge threat to, to our bread and butter, you know, the U of O. Where does it stop? But I, I think it is undeniably a, gr a great thing for U of O to, uh, to get involved in a project this large and prestigious and to solidify your relationship with the Balmers. It seems like a, a good situation for them. I think that, uh, Every college, just like every newspaper, needs a benevolent billionaire these days, <laughs> and uh, they've got several down in Eugene. Yeah, it should be noted that 
the bombers have been involved at UofL kind of behind the scenes, maybe not as out front, the uh, Pathways Oregon scholarship program that's um, gives high achieving Oregonian st- students who um, come from very low income backgrounds, uh, full ride scholarships. And I know that's something that was a passion project of Connie Balmer as well. I'm curious, you know, what, what's your hunch here? Does this go sideways or does this happen? No, I think it's going to happen. I think it definitely is going to happen. And the U of O folks are confident that regardless of what happens with hot chalk, that is a relatively small pro- small problem that the extension fund has basically vowed they will solve. Mm-hmm. And it was fairly hilarious. This Robbie Williamson lawyer who was representing the U of O sent us a message saying exactly that, but also saying that and by the way, we're sure that the good folks at Hot Chalk, in the great, in the interest of of the society and where we are now, and the greater human good, that they wouldn't stand in the way of this uh, this transaction. And I maybe they're right, but I would say that anybody, any company that claims they're owed three hundred million is not going to uh, disappear willingly. Um, well, so, so that's a nod to the the fact that this is a you know, behavioral and mental health for children, right? No one's going to stand, stand in the way of that. That's exactly right. Well, it's a, it's a fascinating story and an interesting project. And man, if I would have, uh, if we would have talked years ago that you'd still be writing about Concordia and it's, uh, various sagas. I, I don't know if I would have believed you or if you would have believed me. I barely knew Concordia existed. I'd never been on the campus, and uh, until I rode my bike by one day, what what the heck is that? And uh, it's Concordia, and it looks like a real life college. And now for it to have completely cratered, and this long legal fight, and now this, the it's uh, fascinating. And Concordia is the gift that keeps on giving. And it's certainly a gift. Uh, I can say, as going back to the kid front, you know, during the COVID, the last two years, it's a great place to walk around because it's vacant. You can have your kids run around, sing and dance on the stage in the amphitheater outside. It's a, uh, it's gotten me through a lot of a lot of tough times in the last two years. So <laughs> well, that, that brings another one last point up yeah. that uh, the folks who may be the happiest here are the neighbors. They feared the worst. They love their green spaces. And I don't blame them. It's really nice. So they feel like uh, this is a huge win for them. Well, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the project and this, uh, this uh, proposal moves forward. And um, thanks for all your reporting on Concordia over the years and for taking time to talk about it uh, and the Balmer Institute. Appreciate it. Sure, Andrew. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. I shared a link to Jeff's recent stories in the episode notes. The University of Oregon's Board of Trustees is expected to vote on the Concordia purchase March 14th. The school hopes to close on the land by the second week of June. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the program. And tell a friend. Help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is through a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.